Good evening, friends, and welcome back to Live Reality Games, the place where we make our favorite games into our reality. We are here today to break down episode three of Survivor 42. I'm super stoked. I'm your host, Kirk, and with me is Keenan from Survivor British Columbia. We're both repping Survivor British Columbia. How are you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I just uh, just watched the episode. And um, like every single episode of Survivor that has aired out this season thus far, there is much to discuss. There yeah. are people on the bottom, people on the top, people making good moves and people making bad moves and everything in between. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have a lot to say about bad moves, just in my opinion for uh, today. So I can't wait to get into that with you, buddy. Um, so we're doing something new um, this episode. <laughs> We are doing two episode breakdowns, kind of like Reddit. If you follow the Survivor Reddit posts, there is an Eastern Standard Time and a Pacific Standard Time Reddit for the live episodes. And we are doing that tonight. So we are the part one of the episode breakdown, British Columbia Takeover. Following us will be Lexi and Steven talking about the episode as well. You're going to see that at about... I'm assuming like 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time should come out is my guess. Who knows if I'm still up? Maybe I'll bop on for a second. <laughs> but anyways, we're here That's... to tell you our hot takes about this piece first. So first off, Keenan, I'm just curious about your how, your feelings about this season as a whole so far. Uh, as a whole, I actually I'm feeling it actually a lot more than Survivor 41. And Survivor 41 is the season that brought the field since it ended the Survivor withdrawal thanks to the pandemic. Uh, but um, I uh, I don't really compare it as well as like the the live games. I've been a lot more into live games this season. However, I think it it's bringing a lot of the personalities back. It's and. I like how they're actually, since season 41, what season 42 is doing, it's bringing the stories into this. Yeah. And this actually allows us to align with the cast and actually choose our, our, our favorite characters. It's like, say, you're, like, if, if, you're playing, if you're playing a video game, like, say, Sonic, you know, they're going to tell you the story about maybe Shao the Hedgehog, and you're almost going to align with it. He's going to be a favorite character to play as throughout the game, maybe. Yeah. So, so, so I Keenan, think they're really focusing on the characters very well. Yeah. So who's one of your favorite, who's some of your favorite characters so far? Uh, Jason Momoa. I mean, Jonathan. Oh, dude. We got to talk say, about uh, Jonathan. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I called him, J I called, I called him Jason Momoa. He looks so much like him. And, uh, no, he's like he's very much a southern east coast version of Ozzy Lust. Absolutely. Um, he, as I just showed that, I forgot to say this is going to be full of spoilers. So sorry to people who show up later and start watching this. If you haven't seen episode three, go for the gusto. There's going to be a ton, a ton of spoilers. <laughs> so make sure you I'm not I'm not sorry for spoilers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you're here, you're a Survivor fan like us. Yep. But uh, uh, so, it's, um... yeah, our, our friend Snyder's favorite was Zach, who was already eliminated. However, he is all over 
uh, the past week, because of Marion's love comments last week, we've seen a lot of Zach. <laughs> you know, it, it, I kind of wish Marion got voted out that last round. I mean, just to be reunited with her crush. I mean, it would have been it would have been a love story for the ages, Romeo and Juliet. But uh, if anything, I am also happy she survived because I think it's going to be really amazing to see what she does with what she's got in her pocket, which will be a topic for later. Absolutely. Like at the very start of this episode, the very beginning, this has been two seasons of lots of players with very loose lips, like not even loose. These are sloppy, sloppy lips all over the place <laughs> because Marianne comes back to camp and she's like, yo, everybody, I got an extra vote. Woo. <laughs> How about me? <laughs> And I, dude, Keenan, I was like, why, why are you telling everyone this? Oh. Like, what, how is this an advantage for you? <laughs> I mean, unless I'm shoved right in a corner, I'm not saying that. But it, it, there is a method to some madness, I think. Okay, tell, t t talk me through this. Talk me through talk, the madness. Well, this dates back to the Robert Crowley era in Survivor Gabon. He said, if people think you've got a gun, they won't go for you. Oh. I, well, if you know my gameplay um, from, from British Columbia, I think that applies as well. Oh, my God. That's so true. Huh. You know, because it was yes, so fun. Because you're right, Keenan. But I mean, Mar Marianne said this. She said, we got five. She said, we. So she's playing that extra vote as mm. if it's the tribe's vote, not just hers. Yes. G given the fact that they have had a member lost by default as well, that puts them automatically behind. They're they're still behind. Like they have been like they have been like one of the better tribes in the challenges, but that doesn't matter. They're behind. So using something for the tribe, keeping a tribe strong game. It's a bit like it brings me to David versus Goliath a little bit that they have to stay a little bit infractable despite differences to uh, preserve themselves. Then they could start being individuals. Then they could go a little crazy and then um, they, they can make their moves. So this extra vote probably will be a good thing long term. Season 41, however, like despite everything that could have been used for the tribe, say example for Ua. They got rid of that very, very early. It didn't matter. Like when Brad had all those advantages, it didn't matter. And I think that is the sole reason that there was not an UA representative in the finals. So true. It, but also, it, to your point, last season was terrible advantages. They were like all cursed. If you had an advantage, even if you had good gameplay, it was like your game just tanked suddenly if you sudden if you had an advantage pre-merge once the hourglass hit that was a whole different story but it seems like everything pre-merge was just a bad idea don't risk your vote don't pick up beware advantages it was i thought it was uh, it was detrimental to a lot of people i even think it was detrimental to shan's game i think shan eventually had like so much power too early in the game that it was but anyways that's 41 we're talking about 42 let's do yes, a quick we are let's yeah, Keenan, let's recap the abilities and advantages that are currently in the game. Um, so let's start with um, Vati. 
So down here, we have Mike sitting with the beware advantage. So he currently cannot vote. And we have to remember from episode one, High also has the amulet of power or just amulet, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just an like right now, I think it's an extra it's an extra vote. And the, the less people with that amulet there are, it becomes more powerful. It takes a step up. Correct. So right now, like, for example, High, if he had played his amulet, it would have been worth nothing because all amulets that are in the game have to be played at the same time for the power to activate. That's the kind of crux of the rule. Um, and I want to get to the beware rule really quick because that really confused me today. Um, but those are the two advantages on Vati. On Ika, our girl Drea is sitting in the driver's seat with an extra vote, and she also has one of the three amulets. Yes, she. I think I do think she's doing a. She's doing pretty well there. However, those might not matter too too much because she's also becoming a very huge target, as we saw in the second episode. Too true, and you know she's also, as we saw, Keenan. She's also has the curse of loose lips and she's telling maybe too many people about said powers. So is it going to be a revolver that protects you? Like you said, uh, Bob Crowley said, or is it going to be a revolver that gets turned on to her later in the game? You just, you, it's, there's just, there's just really a time and place. I think. Yeah. Like there's like, you have to, you have to read the room. You have to be very sure before you use anything no like this like if it just gets wasted for the sake of being wasted it's not it's not useful that it just loses the meaning of the advantage that's supposed to be given to you like you're it's like they need to have the fine print choose wisely on there <laughs> but uh but no uh i think uh i don't think drea is quite running the tribe with that like she might gain a little bit of the you know the little cult following with the um What's the blue? What's the blue tribe called again? Uh, that's Ika. Ika, Ika. I know it's Taku, Vati, Ika. Okay, got yep. it. All right, yep. yeah. So, so yeah, and let's get to Taku. Taku is interesting because they lost a member of Jackson being medically evacuated. Then they went to one tribal council, so they're already down two. They're essentially playing the final four of Survivor, which most players will never even experience until day like thirty five in traditional survivor so they're having to get to these small numbers super quick but it seems to be bonding this group of of four we have currently Lindsay has the third amulet i do not think we have seen Lindsay tell anyone about this yet so she is not a victim of the loose lips she's like she is not a talker she's a listener hmm Absolutely. Every time she needs to speak, it's a confessional. Like, I think, I mean, it's pretty rare you see someone with a lot, like, a little bit more confessionals not seem as powerful. But um, in this case, like, she's not seeming like a big character, but she's someone you have to keep a sharp eye on because she's reading the room. She's reading the room before taking any action, and she's actually, uh, she's listening to people. Like she's wanting to get the input first before uh, putting a name down to paper and before making a call. 
And then there are two more advantages on this tribe. So this is the tribe that has currently the most advantages in the game, even though they're not all, all advantageous right now. We have Marianne, who has earned an extra vote. As we said, she has told everybody on her tribe. And she also un unwittingly found the beware advantage. Her tribe decided to go look for idols together. And she uh, luckily, question mark, found the beware advantage and kept it. What do you think about that, Keenan? Well, I think, uh, like, we are talking about 42, but 41 exposed a lot of the dangers of uh, finding the advantage in a group. Um, but this, the problem is, um, this looks like a united enough group where if they avoid travel council for the rest of the game, this could have an effect. Like these guys look way too, way too united to want to turn on each other. Marianne might unfortunately be the victim if they have to go just because she's been very loose on it. Plus they know the phrase now she's disposable now that they, that they'll know the phrase to say when it, when the time comes and if they lose. That's so true. Here's a question. So, so let's say Marianne gets voted out with the idol. So it's going to be with the beware advantage, excuse me. So it would be rehidden like last season. But mm -hmm. let's say you're, you're Omar and you already memorized the clue. And then you hear uh, Mike say the clue. And let's say, you know, we're guessing Tori finds it based on the, the, the promos, it seems like Tori is going to find one of the beware advantages. That's that's all conjecture. But let's say they say it. If you also say it, even though you don't have the beware advantage, does that activate the other two idols? I don't think. I don't think it does. I don't okay. think it does. Uh, you would. Ha we have to actually just go to probes for the real answer. But I think. Uh... But I think they would actually actively try to find it and put it in their possession so they can't say it. That makes sense. It would because be an Easter egg hunt for sure. It would be confusing to the other players because Mike would then be like, oh, my idol is active. This should work. And then he'd go to try to play it and then it wouldn't. And so that's a little confusing. There's a couple like rules clarifications that I think are necessary because... When Mary Ann pulled out the rules, it said, you must say this at the next challenge. Mm -hmm. But well, Mike didn't say his. So, so you must not have to say it, right? I'm confused. Well, well, the thing is, uh, well, the thing is, Kirk, um, I think uh, you, would, you would have to say it, but you would find out if it's useful or not if you have a vote. Mm. Literally, if you walk down to the tribal council urn and you're ready to vote... That will that is a telling factor of whether your idol is useful or not, because while it is not intact, you can't vote. Because as we've seen, Mike has the beware advantage. He he actually never even said his phrase, and his phrase is revolving around soccer, and that is um. And that is why he could not vote. But I don't think we're quite at the point of tribal council yet, are we, Kirk? No, oh, we're we're so far before that. I was going to just kind of show the alliances by lumping some people together. So Omar and Jonathan still have your bromance going on. Lindsay kind of hanging uh, and Marianne kind of hanging next to the that power duo. For, for Ika, which this episode, if you want to see stuff about Ika, this is not the episode to watch. There is really 
very little we're going to get from this tribe uh, for this entire episode. Um, in my who's opinion, Ika? Who's Ika? <laughs> who's the blue tribe? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, exactly. But they weren't seen today. Who's Ika? Yeah. So you kind of have this as kind of what's going on. And I say kind of because I don't really totally know. You have Romeo Roxroy with Drea. And then Drea trying to also work with Swappy and Tori. Swathy, though, not trusting Drea. That's that's kind, kind of what we got. Swathy, I think, is running the tribe. Ooh, that would be fun. No, I, 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 I think she is. She's built... She is, everybody there trusts her. And it's not like, oh, she's the innocent 19-year-old, trust me. No, she's actually making she's actually making connections. And she's actually got the maturity way above her years with that tribe, maturity-wise. Like, she's right on the par. And she's the youngest in the cast. I think she is going to be a very, very, very hidden threat in the end. And they're not, none of them are going to really realize it until it's too late. It sounds like a very generic thing to say, but there's nothing really else to say on the topic. Um, the Ika tribe does become a bit relevant to talk to as today's runners up of the challenge. Um, Roxroy, old man dad, comes in throwing. Just like, uh, just like, just like how you would on a grass field. Baseball glove in your left hand, tossing your son. So true. Yeah. And he hangs in there when it gets brutally tough. I mean, we, we see uh, what it was either Mike or Roxroy. It looked like their head was almost hit into one of the uh, platforms out there in the water during the challenge. Oh, oh I saw Mike with the ladder around his neck. I, yeah. The, the fucker could have drowned. Is he crazy? Yeah. I mean, that looked. So bad. We're gonna we're gonna get to that. Let's break down um the the interesting, really interesting tribe is Vati, and they are gonna go to tribal council, as you know. Um, this tribe starts off like this, but we're gonna come back to this screen a little bit later. Um, because this is not at all what shakes out tonight. And I think this is an episode that's gonna be talked about for many, many years to come. Uh, based on how far it went in Tribal Council. So it's three pairs. Um, yeah, so I I think we get we get right to kind of talking about the the episode now, buddy. Um, yeah. Mary Ann starts off with some great quotes or just great like quips. She says, um, after she tells them we got five, what does she say? Um a, oh my Guinness, fudge shiz when she realizes the beware advantage. But my favorite is she said something about like, I've seen everything except six episodes of Toka Teens. What, what was that? What the hell did those six episodes of Token Teens do to you? I, so, <laughs> so maybe I went back and I said, I, I thought maybe it's the last six episodes. So I counted back. I went to the wiki page and six episodes back is Coach's episode called The Dragon Slayer. <laughs> Boy, they. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That just, that's, that's like, oh, oh boy. Like, who, who does not get annoyed by Coach? Whoever doesn't is certifiable. 
<laughs> so maybe she was just she was irritated with the characters in in Tokachins. Uh, it looks like Keenan's um, internet just went out, so I'm just going to keep talking until hopefully he bops back in. Um, so Vati, this tribe, let me tell you. Sorry about that. Uh, sorry about that. All- my phone, my Facebook crashed. I'm using my cell phone. It's it's all good, and my Facebook was just being funny too, and my screen literally just popped in and out. So if we both disappear, everybody, we'll yeah. be right back. <laughs> that was that was that was pro- probably from from my end, Kirk. Don't, don't kick yourself, but uh, but but well, uh, no. s- s- our buddy Snyder in the comments is like, Coach is one of his favorites that season. You know, the thing about Coach Whoops. is he is he's hot and cold. That's why he's popular, and it, that's why people talk about him, right? Because <laughs> They like him or they don't like him. He's not moderate. He's not in the middle. Yeah. Devil's advocate, though, I did think he played really well in South Pacific. And give credit where credit's due. That's kind of a hot take. A lot of people don't think that, Keenan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he did good, but uh, however, after I did see Winners at War, you do become a lot more accepting of Sophie's victory, honestly. Like you look yeah. back and you think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could be okay with that. Like I, it allows your opinion to change. That's so true. I I I always liked Sophie's game. I did. When I watched it the first time even, I gave her credit, but it was um I would have voted for either of them, I think, from watching it at home. But anyways, let's talk um Vati, we get to them next. And Daniel is a hot mess. He is losing stuff. Um, they, they're saying this is common. He's ne- he can't ever find anything. His first quote of the episode is literally like Charlie Brown. He says, good grief. I was like, I was like, I don't think I've ever heard a person actually say good grief in real life, unless it was like on a Charlie Brown cartoon. I know, I know, I'm, I'm born in 96, so I never really watched those, but, uh, I have a gut feeling that, uh, where his head's going is, uh, he's going to be falling on it when, uh, when some gal is taunting him with the football and he's just going to slip and crack, you know, he, and I think he did that this game. He, he really slipped. He dropped that football. Oh, he slipped. He even slips a lot of stuff into his crotch, literally and figuratively. Um, and he, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even going to talk about British Columbia. Oh, but, um, what a relevant topic. What a relevant topic if you know um if you know the games we've played, let's put it that way. But um that said, um I was really dismayed. So th- let's break this whole thing down. So Mike has the beware advantage. So Daniel gets paranoid and needs to read the paper. So he gives him the paper. He gives him everything to read. And Daniel goes and reads it and then instantly puts it in his underwear. I hey, it. At least Mike's not going to want it back. Oh my God. I mean, it's absolutely sick-minded, but it's sick-minded <laughs> to do if that's his ulterior motive. But, I mean, he may have just left Fiji in a straitjacket after that, but still. Oh my gosh. No, this could be some like reverse psychology Richard Hatch shit going on right now because, okay, because then he comes back, right? And he gives him the, the paper. 
And then he's like, oh, this isn't, where's the idol? And he's like, I don't have the idol. And then he's like, I don't have the idol either. So then they go and look for it. This is exactly like the last episode where Mike lost it. And now Daniel has lost the idol. I don't know. They got they got butter fingers there. They can't they, they keep slipping. And it's slipping into their pants because they go back to the place where they thought they lost it. And if I'm not if I'm not wrong, it was still in his underwear. <sighs> I'm about he to Charlie Brown myself. Out, Good grief. Pulled out the little thing and was like, oh yeah, it was there. How do you how do you not notice? the the amulet idol advantage whatever it is <laughs> resting next to your skin <laughs> how do you not see your idol on your idol yeah i agree thank you so this was a whole thing so maybe it was reverse psychology like he's like oh this dude won't want this i mean it is survivor nobody they're all dirty nobody actually cares but i thought it was pretty funny that he placed it in his drawers <laughs> when he probably could have just walked it back to him and Jenny in bed fine. In Canada, we say is gitch. What? What's that? What's a gitch? Uh, it, it's the, like, you know how you said drawers? Same thing. Oh, okay. All right. It's yeah, it's a, a very, it's, it's a Canadian slang. I love that. So my cousins are rappers in Toronto. So I, I have family in Toronto. And anyways, when I was a kid, when, when we would get in lines um, and somebody would get in front of you in line, we would always say, uh, you, you cut me in line. But my, my relatives in Toronto would always say, you, you butt me in line. And I was always like, what? why do you say butt me and not cut me? But they said it was slang. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I, that, I hear that way more come out here in Vancouver too. Really? Okay. So yeah, regional, regionalisms, they're amazing. Yeah. But um, uh, back on this topic of Survivor, Fati yeah. is a very hot mess, and Daniel is not is not helping it. He's fanning the flames. But the thing is, like he's like he's doing he's doing well at least with not being a target at least pre tribal council. He but like he like he knows how to at least keep it in tribal council. That is the place where paranoia sets in. But the thing with Daniel, he owns it at least. He owns that he's going to be a little bit paranoid, and yet everyone else thinks that he's just going to be perfectly normal, stick to the plan. Everybody goes into tribal council thinking there is a set plan, and they think that I think they think that Daniel just discussing what's on his mind, it's just par for the course, like what they see on regular Survivor as the episode rolls on, and there's going to be nothing of it. They think their plan is just going to come into fruition. And it's so not. And I mean, the no. writing the writing is on the wall. The entire, the, the, the dramatic irony, the way they edited it, which is, if you don't know what that is, that's when the audience knows more information than the players. <laughs> that was fantastic tonight because we were able to piece together the pieces. And I, I don't know about you, but, but here we knew it was going to be a tie well before it tied. Like <laughs> we were like, this is a tie episode. There, it can't be anything but a tie. I mean, I think uh, that does sound possible because if, if there's a plan out there pre-tribal council that's too good to be true, probably is. That is such a good point because 
if it seems easy, something else is happening. It ain't easy. It's not easy. Survivor ain't easy. So um, before we get to all of the tribal dynamics, let's let's really break down the challenge. CBS promoted this challenge like crazy last week. I saw people uh, being swept out to sea. I was so worried. And um, the challenge is basically, of course, start in the water and go to land, like always. Um, so we start in the water. We uh, we essentially get a ladder from under out of the water, raise it up to get a key, which is already very difficult, and then take that to land and throw sandbags on a uh, five stands, and then you win immunity, immunity and reward. Reward being a toolkit and fruit. And if you don't want the fruit, you can get fishing gear. And if you lose, you lose Flint. This challenge did not go how Survivor expected, did it, Keenan? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, at least like nobody drowned. At least everyone's safe. So that's that's truly what matters. It would have been awful for the lawsuits, but at the same, time, also what just kind of just gives you a bit of saving grace is that at least they're very the two tribes that got the key just handed to them were super even and um. And at least the Orange Tribe had already won immunity, bare minimum. I mean, it's not like they were just in the lead and they said, uh, I'm going to hand you your key. Uh, these guys had to work for it, but I'm just going to hand it to you. But I mean, you kind of become okay with that, them getting handed the key just because Orange has just has already blown, blown the competition out of the proportion, largely due to Jonathan. This dude is a horse. Like, like, seriously, he would have had people on his back. He carried that entire ladder on his own and had it was tall enough to still like breathe. <laughs> yeah. And see, just uh and looking at uh like this is a challenge used last year, famously messed up by money, JD Robinson. But uh but uh, no, uh, I forgot. Yeah, that's but good. no. Even without that, even like even like with Jonathan doing what he did, those targets look atrociously hard to land. Like, like you have to be so technical. You and you have to throw perfect. You have to aim perfect. There is there's no in between with hitting those targets, and they're so tiny, and they're so scattered. It's like this big. I, I, I would be scared of knocking a bag off. Yeah, with my throws like that is, I I would uh, participate in that challenge because I like I like throwing things, but uh, I know that things are risky. Yeah. So um, the other hard part about this challenge was simply getting the ladder up and then po putting the ladder up, and then someone had to climb up the ladder, being held held by humans in the ocean. This ladder is just made out of rebar. It's not like some like, like, well, it was welded there on Survivor, clearly. <laughs> and these huge ocean swells come up and start drifting the players back. So, okay, so I live on a Great Lake. Lake Michigan gets some pretty big waves, but we don't get oceanic waves at all. But still, we get undertow. And I know exactly what that feeling is where you're swimming and you're not going anywhere. You're not going 
closer to the shore. You're not drifting. You're literally in the same spot because the swell is just literally keeping and you're putting all your effort into swimming. That starts to actually panic some people because they realize they're just not go they're not going anywhere. And especially if you can't touch the ground under you in the ocean, I could see these players having massive anxiety and panic in those moments. So I can I can understand why they called it. There's nobody else like Jonathan on Ika or um, Vati. Nobody well, else. Yeah. Where he lives, he already goes out to spearfish. Yeah. He practices day in, day out. So, so yeah, this is one of those. My my, uh, I was watching this with Nick, and Nick was like, I can't believe they cast somebody that's so much bigger than other people on the other teams. And I think this is actually a very cultural conversation. I don't want to really take it anywhere else, but like talking about advantage or disadvantage in sport uh, based on physicality, I think is a very real thing. Um, but I, I don't really want to get into that here, but I think it very much touches a, a, a pulse of what people are talking about in society today, especially with Olympics. Um, so I, and I have no personal opinion on it. I Nor do I. Was, I, I actually was really impressed with the fact that they did call it because this is what, what I see, Keenan. I go to a lot of these games, and a lot of times the games will put in, let's say, an endurance challenge, but they don't have time to do like four hours. This happened to me in British Columbia. I played an endurance challenge that went on too long, and they had to change the rules of the challenge in order for us to finish faster. So in a, a lot of these live games, they call these the lemon rule. So if the if the game is a lemon or like if if the participants can't complete the puzzle or or it's taking too long, we have a rule set aside to make this challenge go faster and result in a winner. This is the first time we've ever seen Survivor do it, but we have seen LRGs do it for over 10 years consistently. So I, even though Probe said this was the first time, I'm kind of surprised it was the first time that this would have happened. Yeah, this this was a first where they did have to make things a little bit uh, a bit uh, easier for some people, but uh, you know, it, it may it probably won't be the last. Probably have to, not. Have to find, uh, I gotta find a. Uh, are we able to do this without headphones by chance? If it works for you, I'll let you know if there's any echo, any feedback. Okay, okay? right. Just I just have to go. Uh, like my, cause the current port for my headphones is what I charge my phone on. My phone's uh, okay. running a little bit low on battery. We're, we're good. We, we got you. If you have to leave for a second, I'll keep it oh. rolling for, for while you're getting charged. So anyways, dude, dude, you're the best. Uh, you're the best <laughs> British Columbia, British Columbia is the best everybody. Anyways. So Mike <laughs> and Roxroy land four. they need to get the fifth. Jonathan's already won. Chanel comes in to try to land the fifth and Drea comes in. Drea is actually the one who lands the fifth. That's his, I mean, that's like Ika's whole storyline. <laughs> We're going to get a little bit more, but not much. Well, and then they get to choose who goes to Shipwreck Island. We are going back to risk our votes, even though we all don't necessarily like it. Um, there is a little bit of feedback, but no, it's gone now. Um, but yeah, um, the, this further sinks Ika's relevance in this episode, um, despite their victory, because they 
going on this uh, going on this summit is Omar and uh, Chanel. Both people from uh, one from the very the winning tribe, one from the very bottom tribe, for this episode, and both risk their votes. Both know they have lost their votes. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Omar knows he's lost his vote, but uh, this is um this is rather it's I don't know whether to be disappointed by it or to be like uh, be a little bit happy for it because long term it does make things interesting oh that's true that's true i just want to comment on jay lane j um, lane just mentioned chanel through overhanded and thought that was the wrong technique i agree with that sentiment i think underhand probably would be the best most likely well um under underhand works for most but going back to bc in the first immunity challenge Tell that to Liam Marshall. Okay, true. But uh, just on those rare, on the on the very rare instances. But uh, no, uh, I do think that actually that it that is an error for that particular challenge because you're gonna you will like like a like I said you can knock a sandbag off, or you could just or say you hit the top, you hit the top. It could, it could be like a little domino effect. They all fall. Yeah. That'd that, be tragic. That's an out there thing that would happen, but it's, it's possible. Um, I think uh, I do. I don't think Chanel should have, should have risked her vote. I know that uh, she wants to play this game. There's, there's, there's big move fever going on in, in this game, I think. And this, this is a case with Survivor 41 when people just get real fever to do big moves for the sake of it. I'm a victim of it too. I'm not one to judge. But in this case, I think uh, I think you got to know when to uh, when you struck oil when you're drilling. When you struck oil, you got to stop. I still don't understand her conversation. She said that she wanted her vote she told omar she wanted to protect her vote however she then risks it it seems to me that she said the exact she did the exact opposite of what she wanted to do well this oh what's up? hey guys just uh just doing a live interview for the last uh, survivor episode my uh roommate slash cousin has just gotten um but uh, no, I think that um, everything in my life is just just coming on to fruition, as you can see. But uh, no, that is a pretty funny thing. But uh, greed can bite you in the butt there. When you get a little bit greedy, you bite off way more than you can chew. So interestingly, while um, Chanel makes the worst choice of her entire game so far, uh, we see on day seven at Vati, Ironically, we see Lydia, Hi, and Daniel all talking. And they say, or Hi says, the three of us can't be seen talking. Yeah, well, I mean, they see, they, I, I have seen Daniel work with every single group there. And I, I, I've seen kind of the younger group kind of for, format and click. 
I think high, like like Daniel's in his early thirties, but I think they are kind of relatively the, the younger crowd. I know Lydia's uh, Lydia's quite uh, quite a youngin, but I don't know why uh, I don't know why Lydia became the target that episode because the previous episode it made it really seem like Mike was public enemy number one. Right after that, we see Daniel go to Jenny and Mike and say, we have Chanel. We're four. Um, yeah. That, this, is, this, this is their first tribal council. And Daniel has already wit wittingly put himself in a place where he's going to betray people. What do you think about that gameplay? Is that good? Is that is that I just think, playing Survivor? Or is that part of the game? I think the but one word to describe it is messy. I think uh, like when uh, when like Mike was already in Daniel's spot for the messiest player there was. Let him take that title. Don't try to run and compete for that. Don't. But very miraculously, they they both dodge bullets without votes too. Yeah, that's just called playing. That's just called playing miraculous. Yeah, I mean Lydia is aware her name is being thrown out. She talks about it. Chanel comes back to camp and 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 talks to Daniel right away. Um. And everybody wants to see Chanel. Chanel is the hinge factor of this vote. And what Chanel doesn't know is Chanel doesn't have a vote. But we know it. Oh, yeah, we know. Oh, it's bad. So this is the dramatic irony I'm talking about, folks. That's what makes this episode so good. Because they start moving wheels around. We know that both Mike and Chanel do not have a vote. Let's, take, let's go back to the picture. I think this will make it clearer for people. We're aware that these two are voteless. <laughs> and we're also aware that these two want to stick stick together. And Jenny is on their side. And now we're left with Daniel in the middle. But Daniel is telling us that he's really with them. And... Uh, I, I think we can go to um, tribal council. To be honest, I think I think we're pretty much there because tribal council was about a third of this episode. <laughs> I I think I think yeah I think I think a third's actually quite a good accurate way to describe it. Um, Dan, Daniel is clearly the star, despite not getting any votes nor going home. Hmm. But um, like you could you could tell that uh, the paranoia he describes about. You can't say he didn't warn you. At least he's put himself in a position where they can't say that he didn't warn about being this paranoid. He is practically saying, I'm messy. I'm messy. Don't work with me. Don't work with me. Please. Red flags. Red flags. He's waving them in the air. He's and... waving them. Go, go on, Kirk. There's, there's one more thing I forgot to mention. There is Chanel's um, Chanel did have a game plan. Her game plan was to split the vote. Um, to and, and in theory, this could be a two-two-two or a two-one-one 
type a little bit of feedback here from you, Keenan. You might want to mute yourself when you're not talking. What? Oh, Bob, think I want to mute myself when I'm talking? When you're not talking. Right. I, ah, ah there's, there's my mic right there. Um, there's but, a voice uh, coming, coming through when I, when I speak on your end. Sorry about that. It's all, but, it's all good. It happens when you don't have uh, earbuds in. But what I was going to try to say is that Chanel tried to split that vote. Um, I think correctly from her position, she thought that that was the best way to make sure that Lydia went home. I think they were all incorrect um, on this, Keenan, except for Jenny at the very end, who could have maybe prevented this from happening. Clearly, Chanel could have prevented it had she just protected her vote. <laughs> None of this would have happened. I would agree. Uh, I do agree uh, with you there. That, it, But what would be the fun in that? In, in addition, I think uh, I do. Um, I think that the real star of this vote was High, actually, because he stood his ground. High saw Lydia as a viable option, and he wanted to stick. He was willing to stick his neck out and save her. He took a calculated risk. He stood his ground, and he's and he's a small, not very intimidating guy. He's. I mean, he, I mean, he's a vegan. There's no intimidation that yet he stood headstrong and he got Daniel hook, line, and sinker to switch things over. And Daniel yeah. might have just landed himself in the deepest of Dutch because of this. And now high, and now high is sitting pretty. And, and Keenan, did you realize the question that it was that, ca that caused this was the most simple question ever? Um, Jay Lane, I, I'm going to get to your comment in a second because I love that comment. But... Um, Jeff Probst looks at at Daniel, I think it was. Well, Chanel, did you see Chanel? Chanel's at Tribal Council like this. She is reading everybody's facial expressions. She's literally not even looking at the camera or Jeff Probst. Like she's looking right at their faces, turning completely to the side, looking for any telltale signs of a lie. And then Jeff Probst asks Daniel, who calms you down? And he says, Mike and Jenny, mic drop, mic drop. What the hell? That was terrible. That was terrible. I, I just, I don't know what Daniel's actual intention was for this tribal council. I know Keenan, you're saying he got away with no votes. Miraculously, he was in the middle, um, but my God, like, what, what is that? Like, who calmed? And then he, after that, he said his mother, Mike, Jenny, and my mom calmed me down. And so let's get back to Jay Lane. That's why he won't win Survivor for too. Well, I think, I think Daniel was also talking about that his girlfriend calms him down, but he's right. He, he, he yes, is on everybody's. He's on everybody's good side about one thing. Probe sure as hell does not calm anybody down. <laughs> and High was definitely not calmed down after Daniel said that. In fact, High was very alert. <laughs> he was he was alert, but he kept his 
he he kept he kept his cool, and yeah. I I don't see high going anywhere from this drive anytime not, soon. Not like, anymore. Not, I mean, not anywhere dangerous, but he's like, like for some like for someone who does have like, who is the most different on that tribe, he's he's fitting in like a glove. He, and he would he he would and. I'm just gonna say he's the star of this tribal council too, so he's got that under his belt. I think he is the pivotal, the pivotal player of this vote because he, him standing his ground is why Jenny went. Yeah. So what's interesting as well as Keenan is saying, like, so Daniel has just said that Jenny and Mike were the closest to him. Was he lying? Well, clearly Chanel was supposedly closer, but right after this, it's going to get messy. And if you see in the comments, people are already talking about what we're about to talk about because it gets bad. So if you know Survivor, there are many, many things that happen if there is a tie vote. And what happens is it is a tie vote because Mike and Chanel cannot vote. Their votes are negated and they literally get a piece of paper that says return to your seat. <laughs> I'm a teacher. And if the people from Survivor could just write those for my, my frequent students that can never sit down in their seats when they need to, I'd love to have a little like, like parchment from Survivor that said return to your seat. I don't know if I could ever have that happen, but that would be a dream of mine for my classroom. Anyways, but then Jenny and Daniel vote together. Daniel does not vote with High. High and Lydia vote together. Lydia receiving two votes. Jenny receiving two votes. No votes cast here. Then they go to a revote. These two can't vote. <laughs> so it's only two votes. <laughs> so High votes. Daniel votes. Two votes get revealed. High is like, what is happening? And Jeff Propes then reveals. We have to tell you who doesn't have a vote. I don't think they planned this through. I don't think they, I don't think the whole production team thought through this phase of their secret advantages that they would have to reveal it if it went to a consensus vote. So in Survivor, if two votes don't don't land, the people who still have the ability to vote, as we know now, get to then decide via consensus, major, not majority rules, who can leave. Similarly to the last two votes. In fact, all of the votes we've seen so far in Survivor have been essentially unanimous votes now in some way or another. So then we have a consensus vote or it goes to rocks. If it goes to rocks, here is Daniel's predicament. So he says he's with them. If he goes to rocks, one, there's a 25% chance he leaves. But there is also a more likely percentage chance that somebody from his supposed alliance leaves. Now, Daniel's also over here, so he could maybe flip in that direction. But Daniel is in a problematic position. Like, if he flips, he now has betrayed three people, going to be two in the game. And if he flips this way, he's also betraying two or one person's in the game. There is no win scenario for Daniel, in my opinion. There is only um, survive and get by, but you're not winning this round. You're not walking away as um, MVP of the tribe. What do you think, Keenan? Oh, like what? How Daniel stayed is a miracle, but he's not 
you're right, Kirk. He's not he's not a winner by any any stretch. He he's got a bullet in his foot, but he's got to work very hard to get it out. He's I think he has to do a lot of trust building. It's a it's a very uphill climb. His best thing would be a swap. There's no swap happening. You know, Daniel's reminding me of Cochran 1.0 when he should be trying to play like Cochran 2.0. I, I agree there, Kirk, but Cochran 2.0 had someone who was aligned with Cochran 1.0, and that was a little bit of a help to him. Not that Cochran's 2.0's winning game was bad. It was very fantastic, but I think... Uh, I like there the good thing the good news for Daniel is that this is this is still day seven. There's the guts the good news, Aaron. If he is to go a little further in this game, he's got time. He's he's got well they're they're thirty-three percent of the game done, Keenan. In my like it only goes to day twenty-six. Yes, I mean it, it might be might be done, but he's still he's still got sixty six percent of the game to go. Yeah. Okay. True. True that. I I I'll hand you that. So Jenny is unanimously voted out with two votes. Yep. I mean by 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 statistic default, oh. it's still a unanimous vote, but it's not a united vote by any means. Oh, this tri this tribe is a mess going forward. I don't see how this tribe sticks together. They are they are spelling the word bagong right now. Are we seeing the opposite of last season? Could we see the tribe that has the least amount, or not the least, the tribe that has four players stick together this time, perhaps? As last season, we saw. I think it was was it Luvu, or Luvu stayed fully intact till merge. Yeah, not Luvu. The um. Tiffany's tribe. Uh, Yasa. Yasa um, seemed like they were going to stick together. And then they broke into fractures and splinters come uh, merge. Uh, you can blame Rihanna for that. <laughs> yeah. And maybe maybe um, knowledge is power advantages. Yeah. No, well, I mean, in the, I mean, that advantage speaks volume to, to, to the game. And you point you point out about Chanel reading everybody in the room, knowledge is gonna be power. And that's playing a part right now across all three tribes. Um, there was last episode we see Swathi gain knowledge about every single person on the tribe. On Taku, we have um, we have uh, is is the dietitian's name Lindsay? Is this this Lindsay? I don't. Is she a dietitian? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that's. I mean, if that's Lindsay, the what? The 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 what? Yeah, that's Lindsay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The dietitian girl. Uh, she, I think. Um, I think she is using just knowledge as power, just as, just as her own move without having the actual advantage. Like that's what she's doing as well. She's reading everybody, everybody in the room. She's probably the the most safe come come emerge amongst that group, and then amongst uh, the green tribe, we already talked about her. Chanel, she's reading, she's read everybody. That's oh, yeah. She's the knowledge's power star 
of uh, Vadi. Absolutely is. Um, this is interesting too. Daniel then, and I we didn't mention this, Daniel got in a serious argument with Chanel then at Tribal Council that seemed to be a little bit um, personal because it was betrayal. And I think this is going to come to haunt both of them later on in the season. I don't know if it's going to seal his vote home, but I think it seals their fate to not work together henceforth in this game. Um, if the other tribe sees, um, like if everyone else sees how divided they are, they will, they will take advantage of that. And that tribe's going to be cannibalized. Absolutely. I, they're, they're a member away from being tied with the rest of the competition. And I, so, I mean, it's going to be ugly, but it's going to be a really, really bring the popcorn ugly. Yes. So, Keenan, before we end this, who do you want to go super deep in this game? Who are you really rooting for? Um, as of now, as of as of now, Jonathan, um, yep. I, 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 a part of me just having a lot of. You know, just Daniel's tendencies and and game and gameplay. Myself being a little paranoid, a part of me wants him to make up for his mistakes and go deep. And I also, um, Mar uh, Mariana is her name. Oh yes, I am I super curious on what she's uh, on what she's gonna do. I want, I want, I want to see her go a little further. I'm right. I'm actually. Uh, I'm in one of the Survivor BC groups group chats right now and everyone's calling her the most annoying person on the planet but with everything with everything she's got right now if she could do some proper damage control that she might just change the game why okay so i understand all the, the all of my bc friends and all of the other marianne haters out there and i, I here's the thing I like happy people. I don't understand why happy people get such a bad freaking rap to non-happy people. Y'all need to just like suck on some sunshine for a second, go ride a unicorn and go slide down a rainbow and hang out with Marianne and me. Hey, I'm 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 down, but uh but um <laughs> I also I also have been I I guess everyone else's uh Favorite song is Garbage's I'm Only Happy When It Rains. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, it, it, whenever there's a Marianne hater, we're just going to play that song. Pour yes. some misery down on me. Don't get us copy struck, Keenan. We don't need to be, we don't need this taken down. <laughs> um, so this has been a blast. Um, I'm going to really quick recap the Survivor 42 live reality game draft. And right now, we have um, a, the, the game is the game is changing, my friends. Brody and Jillian are in the lead with 12 points. Who knows if anybody's going to catch up? I'm there in second or, or third place in, with 10 points. Rocky has nine. Uh, uh, Nikki has nine. And Cam, I'm so sorry, Cam. If you notice, Cam's only unique pick got voted out tonight with Jenny. So he's left with Drea and Chanel. Ah, I, I, I'm sorry, Cam. I don't know if you're going to win this one this, this season, buddy. 
but Chanel that's the update. <laughs> there's always there's always hope. Who knows? Dre and Chanel could be the final two for all we know, and he still wins the the draft. Um, that said, before we leave, I have one more thing to tell you guys. There is another recap breakdown happening. We're going to do a Pacific Standard Time one in just a couple hours with Stephen and Lexi from also from Survivor British Columbia. Um, I didn't I didn't play with either of them. Did you play with either of them, Keenan? Uh, no, I have not not played with either of them. I've oh. had um, I've had Lexi over at uh, my house for a Survivor viewing party before. Sharon Aleem came with Kevin from season seven. Yeah, and- I I totally remember Aleem and Kevin as well. Yeah, um, they um, I, I for Survivor Free One, I always had people over for viewing parties, and um, that uh, that week uh, that Lexi and Aline came, uh, Kevin Gannett came. So, uh, but I haven't played. I haven't played with. Uh, I haven't played with Lexi before. I've never played with Steven. We've we've obviously talked about the season and everything. However, I'm really looking forward to uh, catching this interview with them. I'm probably going to be uh, catching it a little bit late. But regardless, I'm excited. I can't wait to see another opinion, whether it's the same, different, somewhere in between. And uh, I hope everything goes well on your end too, Kirk. Yeah. Always so, happy to talk. Man, it was a blast having you today and having a, having a couple drinks with you as we talk about our favorite show. It's always a good time. And um, just yes. a shout out to British Columbia because there is another season coming out. Uh, soonish, I believe. So, so look, look, follow on Facebook. Uh, you might see live streams there. Potentially, they've done that in the past. But you'll definitely find some of the best episodes of Survivor. I'm, I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm in one of the seasons, but uh, some of the best episodes of Survivor you can watch anywhere at Survivor British Columbia on YouTube. Check it out, my friends. There is some good, good stuff. Um, uh, they're calling me out. Jillian is the head of the Happy Tribe, not Kirk. Okay, just because I'm moody, <laughs> I'll give it to Jillian because she's she is our charity queen of survivors. Um, Keenan, it was a blast. To all of you in the comments today, you were amazing. You guys just lit it up. You had so many spicy opinions. Um, Please come back later and watch the Pacific Standard Time if you're still awake. And if not, come join me next week where we break down episode four of Survivor 42. Keenan, it was a blast, buddy. Very much a pleasure, Kirk. Yeah.